So today I'm going to talk to you about a situation that happened in the, in the land of Israel in the Old Testament. And the situation was that Israel had sinned against the Lord as a nation. The capital at that time was Samaria. And the judgment that God had brought upon Samaria was a result of the sin of a nation. And the focal point was the capital of that nation, Samaria. The prophet Elisha had warned that if they didn't turn to the Lord, that they would find themselves in bondage. They would find themselves in hunger. They would find themselves in a tragic situation. And like most prophets of that day, the king and others just kind of dismissed it as, yeah, this is the, the word of a prophet. It may or may not come to pass. Well, the nation of Syria decided to implement what God had already allowed. And that was they surrounded the city and they stopped all transportation of food, all entrance and exit out of that city. And they were going to crush, completely crush that city. And it was working. Now, Elisha the prophet was inside the walls. And he was reminding them, yeah, this is what I said was going to happen. People were so hungry, they were desperate. There was nothing to eat. Sitting outside the wall were four lepers. Now, we know something about leprosy, but they knew a great deal about leprosy. That is, in that day, there was no hope. There was nothing you could do. It was a death sentence walking. So despised and so fearful were people of them that they wouldn't even come within their, the, a close distance, and a leper was required to cry out, day and night, whenever he came toward a populated area, unclean, unclean, I'm unclean. Remember, Jesus broke that whole precedent when he actually healed a leper by touching him. And he rattled the religious core uh, of that people of those days, that Jewish faith. He, he rattled them so much that they thought, now he, he must be unclean, and now he'll get leprosy, but he didn't. You see, he knew something about biology that they didn't know, and that is you don't get leprosy by touching a leper. It's a blood disorder. But we see that all of a sudden Elisha's here, and he's reminding them this is what was happening, and in this midst of famine, as he begins to, he wakes up one day and he says, I've got good news for you. The famine is over. God is gonna work a miracle. Just wait and see what God does. An officer of the king, he was the number two guy in the kingdom, he looked at the, the prophet Elisha and he mocked him. He said, if God would open the windows of heaven, it would not happen. Elisha the prophet looked at him and said, you will see it, but you will not taste of it. Here's a spoiler alert. The end of the story, when God works a miracle, and the gates are opened, and the food is abundant, that officer of the king was trampled to death. He saw it, but he didn't taste of it. You see, the Bible says that whatever is not of faith is sin. Wow, God kind of hit me over the head with that this week. I'm, just, I'm thinking about just all the things that we're trying to manage, all the things that we're trying to do, and I was focused in on Everything from contracts to money to people to all this stuff. And God said, are you trusting in me 
or in what you see? I want to ask you that question. Since God made me uncomfortable, I'd like to pass on that. (laughs) Amen? Are you trusting in God or what you see? I mean, it's easy to get super spiritual, put on a smile and go, I'm trusting the Lord. Have you ever done that? Right? But you see, God says at the core of you, who do you really trust? Who do you really trust? Is you, are you really, really trusting in me or are you trusting in your employer? Are you really trusting in me or are you trusting in the government? Are you really trusting in me or what? Fill in the blank. What is in there? The one thing I've noticed about God is that he delights in creating seemingly uh, impossible situations that his power might be displayed. That's a long way of saying, why does he always wait till the last minute? Have you ever noticed that about God? You know, he comes through, but it's like, could you not have just come through a little sooner? I mean, even a week sooner, a day sooner, why wait till the last minute? You see, God wants us to understand that it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's but by spirit, says the Lord. And if you don't trust in the spirit of God working in your life, you're going to always find yourself standing on the edge of the uncomfortable moments of life. Where is God? What am I going to do? How is this going to work out? And all of those things are going to run through your mind because you, and ultimately you're going to fall back into God. You know that. You know ultimately God's going to come through somehow. It may not be exactly the way you want it. He's going to come through, but he's going to frustrate you in the process to push you into the realm of faith so that you understand that you do not walk by sight, but you walk by what? Faith. You've got to walk by faith, and faith is always uncomfortable. You say, I walk by faith. Are you comfortable? Then you're not really walking by faith yet. Just wait. It always feels like, are you kidding me, God? Are you, really? Now that's maybe my expression. I don't know about you. I've got some good news for you. Here's what I think the Lord showed me. We're gonna enter into a new season of opportunity. I got two amens. Let me try that one more time. We're gonna enter into a new season of opportunity. You know, what you affirm follows you. What you deny runs from you. You deny opportunity, and it's going to run from you. You embrace it, it's going to attract itself to you. This is a principle in life. This is a principle in the Word of God. It's a principle in life. You know, the things you tolerate in life, now just think about this. The things you tolerate in life become the masters of your destiny. Do not stay where you're tolerated. Stay, go where you are celebrated. Now, I could go home right now, and that's, those two things are good enough. But then you'd think, why are we paying that guy? You have to understand there's something that's happening in your world. If you're uncomfortable and it's not feeling right, it's because God is trying to do something in you. And you just have to figure out what it is. But you know that this is not the normal way it's supposed to be. You see, what I found is that enemies multiply when the stakes are high. The enemy, if you're losing, the enemy's not going to touch you. 
If you're winning and you're putting pressure on the enemy lines, then you know there's going to be some pressure on you. The stakes are high. You see, the enemy knows that you have a destiny found in Jesus Christ, and if you're not pursuing it, then he leaves you alone. When you start pursuing your divine destiny, expect there's going to be some bumps in the road. But those bumps, you can... you can. You can manage, trust me, you can manage bumps. My friend in high school named Jim, he was probably the worst influence on my life, and his mother thought I was the worst on him. She had no idea that he was 10 times worse than me. His dad bought a new little car. It was called an Opal Cadet. I don't even think they bring them over here anymore. But Jim had this great idea that before the drive-in theater, remember those drive-in theaters? Remember those, the greatest things in the world? All right, drive-in theater, that we would go to the drive-in theater before it opened, before the gates were closed, I mean, before they locked it down for customers, and we would see how fast we could go over those little bumps in his dad's Opal Cadet. And on the third one, he collapsed the collapsible steering wheel and bent the frame. A year later, when the car was towed off, his dad was so naive, I remember him, I can still see him grabbing his ear and pulling in. He said, you know, that wasn't a very good car. He had no idea what that car had been through. You see, when you go through the bumps of life, sometimes you're going to collapse the steering wheel. Sometimes you're going to bend the frame. But unlike the Opal Cadet, you were made for your destiny. You were designed to do something unique and special. You're not going to get towed off into the, into the salvage yard of life. You're going to succeed because the things that don't kill you will make you stronger. And if it kills you, you're just going to be with God anyway. Amen? You see, you have to, you have to realize this is bigger than your problem. Life is bigger than your problem. But your problems, when they become bigger than your life, then you are going to get crushed. That's an amen. Amen? God is working behind the scenes on your behalf. Well, how do I know that? Faith. What if I don't see God working? He's still working. In fact, the Bible says that God, he never sleeps nor slumbers. He watches over Israel at all times. You see, God is always aware of what's happening. And what I found is that life is a collection of miracles ignited by problems. That is so good, isn't it? Life is a collection of miracles ignited by problems. Have you ever seen a miracle that didn't solve a problem? No, problems were designed, you see, for you to seek a miracle. Miracles don't work without problems. You want a problem-free life, you have a miracle-free life. This is getting good, right? I mean, I'm even thinking this is good. So what do we got to do? We got to activate our faith. You got to activate it. You got to say, how do I stir it up? How do I, how do I get it going? You ever gone camping and the fire's always going out? Is this, how in the world does half of California burn down and I can't even get a fire started? I don't understand. You get wood, you put you know, charcoal fluid on it, you, you put kindling in there, newspapers, and in four minutes, you got smoke, and it follows you. It's like, 
What is going on? But you see, you gotta activate it. You gotta stir it up. Now, my wife is better at making a fire than I am. That's why I just say, baby, just go ahead and start that fire. Because I know she's over there fanning it. She's got things going on. She's, she's doing whatever. And then she gets so happy because she's able to do this. You have to let your wives do things like this. Like start fires and chop wood. and They, they have such a great sense of accomplishment when they do this. Amen, babe? Oh, my. All right. Second Kings chapter 7. Now, we're going to pick up that story of the lepers They were outside the gate of the besieged city where everyone was starving to death and nobody was doing anything because they weren't activating their faith. Because you know, sometimes you activate your faith out of desperation and sometimes out of accident. I just accidentally walked by faith. I don't know what happened here. Now, there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate. And they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? If we say we will enter the city, the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we shall die also. You see, they've got, they don't have a good solution here. There, there's no good options. We're going to die either way. If we go in the city, we're going to die. We sit here, we're going to die. Let's activate our faith is really what they're saying. You see, what I've come to understand is that unbelief is anchored in the visible. Unbelief is anchored in the, in, in the visible. The longer I look at my problem, the more my faith goes down. The more I look at God, my faith goes up. I stare at my problem. Oh, what am I gonna do? Look at this, look at this, look at this. And it gets closer and closer. I'm face to face with my problem instead of face to face with God. Get face to face with God. See how your life is gonna get better and easier. You Looking at your problem over and over never solved it. What you tolerate, you cannot change. People say, well, I don't like my job. How long have you hated it? Oh, years. That's good. You're making some good progress here. (laughs) If you tolerate it, it's going to not stay. It's not going to get better, right? It's going to stay the same. What are you going to do to make a difference? Faith is always in motion. It's never static. It's never just sitting around. It's always moving, active, going here, going there. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? I'm going to try this. What if I fail? I've failed before. I know what that it feels like, but I've also succeeded. But every time I succeed, it was because I tried, not because I didn't try. Hello? Right? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. But without faith... It is impossible to please him. Doesn't say it's unlikely or he might give you a break. Look at that word impossible. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. He who comes to God must believe that he is, that is, he exists, the God of the Bible. And look what else it says. And he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Do you know God is a rewarder, God? Well, it doesn't seem fair. It just seems like you ought to just give everybody a trophy at soccer. <laughs> no, that was a creation of man trying to deal with spoiled children. That's not how God works. 
You see, there's rewards in the eternal kingdom that you only get by what you do and how you believe. You can believe on Jesus Christ and enter into heaven, but that doesn't guarantee you anything else. Let me, let me put it where you can understand it. Ladies, you can understand this. Without rewards, you're gonna wear the same thing in heaven every day. Can you relate to that? And what is it with women's clothes? My wife comes home with a $10 dress that looks like a million bucks. I go buy something at TJ Maxx, I look like 10 bucks. I don't understand what goes on in the world. The world is mixed up, right? Without faith, I can't live without faith. I don't thrive without faith. And prayer is the currency of heaven by which faith is activated to move you into the next level of the realm and the presence of God. If you only pray when you're in trouble, you're not gonna get much in life. You have to engage God at all times. Engage, engage, engage. God, I'm praying, I don't know what to do. Instead of going, God, you know, this is a big one, I guess I should pray. But in all things, by prayer and supplication, all things with prayer and supplication, let your request be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. In all things, by prayer and supplication. Not big things, not challenging things. Everything, everything, everything is God. Amen? You gotta unlock your potential. Do you know you have potential that you've never even realized? Oh, I know, I could do anything I want. No, you can't. If you believe that, you get a a, a trophy at soccer. There are things you can't do. Well, I, I think I can do anything. Well, then go do them. Why are you so boring if you can do all things? Amen? You gotta unlock it. Unlock the potential. You go up to your car, you go, I love, this is my car. Well, why don't you get in? I, I don't, I don't want to unlock it. I don't, I don't want to use the key. I'm just going to stare at my car. That's great, but you're not going to go anywhere. You have potential that has to be unlocked. You have to get into your potential and then begin to move down the road of experience and life in order to see what God can do. You have to unlock your potential. Look at 2 Kings 7, verses four and seven. Now therefore come, let us, these are the four lepers, surrender to the army of the Syrians. Okay, remember, they got choices. We sit here and die, we go inside, we die, we go to the Syrians and maybe we die. How's that for some great options? Right? But that one looked like the best. If they keep us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall only die. I love these guys, right? It's worth it. Let's just throw the dice and see what happens. We're gonna bank on the Syrians today. And they arose at twilight. Can you say twilight? Let's say it again, because it's really important to this story. You know twilight, if you look it up, it says it's not night or it's not day. Well, what is it? It's twilight. No wonder they had a show called The Twilight Zone. Remember The Twilight Zone? Greatest show ever, right? Well, some of you don't believe that. All right, it's twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. 
So they went neither at day or at night. They went into that little zone where nothing is really defined, it seems like. And when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one was there. All right, now, now let's set the scene. They're going to die inside the camp. They're going to die outside the camp. They go to the Syrians because they think they got a shot, and everybody is gone. Now, you're like me. You're going like, what happened? Where did they all go? Surely four lepers didn't scare them off. No, they were already gone. At what time? Twilight. Twilight. Second Kings, let's look at 6 and 7. For the Lord caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots, the noise of horses, and the noise of a great army. So they're sitting there, they're probably asleep, because it was before when? Some of you dropped off there. Because it was before when? It was before twilight. And all of a sudden they start hearing chariot wheels. And they think, that's Egypt. Egypt had all the chariots. All right? Then they start to hear the sound of a great army and the noise of horses. They, so it must be the Hittites. They had all these great horses. And look what it says. So they said to one another, look, the king of Israel is hired against us, the kings of the Hittites, the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. Therefore they arose and fled at, say it with me. Wait a minute. The lepers got up at twilight, went into the camp, and God brought the sound of the army, the horses, and the chariots at when? twilight, do you think there's a connection between what God was doing and what the lepers did? The lepers were the only ones who decided to act on faith. And all they wanted to do was eat. They just wanted to live and thrive and, 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 and function in society. That's all they really wanted. And it says they fled at twilight and left the camp intact, their tents, their horses, their donkeys, and they fled for their lives. You see, when God does a miracle, no man gets the glory. I got a feeling what God's doing in America today is setting up a situation where God gets the glory. And you're going to look back and go, some of you are going to look back, I know. I knew God would do this. No, you didn't. You were whining like the rest of us, Amen. But you see, God does things that way. So what are we going to do? If we're going to unlock our potential, we have to stretch beyond our present capacity. Here's the easy way to remember it. If you are comfortable right now, then you're not stretching. Hello? If you are comfortable right now, you're not stretching. You've got to stretch into the spiritual realm to where you feel a little bit of tension. You know, now, if we had everybody stand up and said, touch your toes, some of you could say, I can do that, and you'd go like this, right? <laughs> but if you stretched and you stretched every day, it would become what? Easier or harder? Easier. How many of you stretch every day? That's good. The rest of you, you're in trouble. But see, why does that help? Because you're, you're, you're elongating everything in there, the muscles and the sinews and all that other stuff that's in there that I don't know anything about. And it's making it easier. So when you stretch your faith a little bit, guess what? It becomes easier to stretch it a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. You see, you may not be ready for the big stretch, but you're ready to stretch. And when you get done stretching, how does it feel? It feels so good. 
lay in bed, I stretch out. Ah. Ah. Know what you say? Oh, that feels so good. Yeah. Come on. Am I right? Do you know in the spiritual realm it feels the same way? You stretch a little bit in faith and you go, ah, yeah. I got this. I'm going to stretch into God. Don't set limits on God's resources. Your resources are limited, but God's are not. See, the leper says, maybe we go over there, maybe we live, maybe they give us a little bit of food, maybe we're okay. They had no idea what God had in store for them. You have no idea what God has for you. But you're not willing to stretch into it, therefore you're gonna be satisfied with your resources and always whine about what you don't have. Hello? Am I talking to you? Because I'm telling you, he's talking to me. You have to enlarge your capacity for God. You know why you do breathing exercise and breathe? You get your lungs bigger. They stretch. I prefer the eating exercise. The stomach stretches. (laughs) See, we were designed to stretch. Stretch our muscles, stretch our lungs, stretch. Everything gets to stretch. Shouldn't pull on your ears, though. Those are the only things that keep growing even after you die. Did you know that? Your ears. Now, I know you say this has nothing to do with the sermon, and you're exactly right. <laughs> but I think it's phenomenal, the idea. You know, you, you see really old guys that got big ears. How that guy gets big ears? They just keep growing. <laughs> look around, look at your guy, look at everybody. Just look to your right, your left. <laughs> Check out the ears. Small ears, they're a little younger. Big ears, they've been around a while. God wants you to prosper, though, in the storm. See, the storms of life, they come all the time, don't they? You say, well, I'm glad we got through that. Yeah, you're just getting ready for the next one. There's more coming. We lived in, uh, did graduate studies in, in New Orleans, and we, we learned really quick what you do to prepare for a hurricane. We used to tape up our windows and fill our bathtubs and we'd have fresh water. And then we'd have a hurricane party with our buddies. And everybody go outside. We'd go down, you know, to the poncha train. We'd look and, and wait for some disaster to come. I mean, it was just like crazy world because more storms are going to come. And those who had lived through so many of them, they took them for granted. They didn't let them get under their skin. They just said, we might as well celebrate. There's not much we can do to stop this. Prosper in the storm, 2 Kings 7, 8, and 9. And when the lepers came into the outskirts of the camp, it says that they went into the tent, they ate and they drank, and they carried silver, gold, and clothing. Wow, this is really getting good. We got all we want to eat, all we want to drink, all we want to wear. We've got silver and we've got gold. We got everything here. And they went and hid them. What if somebody finds out? What if they come back? That was their first thought. Then they came back and they entered another tent and they carried some from there also and they went and they hid it also. You see, that's what sometimes we do. When you get blessed, you hide it instead of dispersing it. And the minute you start hiding that which God has blessed you with is when you start becoming a fearful person. Now watch how this application will come. One of them said, we are not doing right. This is a day of good news, and we remain silent. If we wait until the morning light, some punishment will come upon us. Now, therefore, let us go up and tell the king's household. 
hold on to what we have. The longer you try to hold on to what you have, the more fearful you become. You see, what happens is we think when we hold our hand out and God fills it, it's so that we can get bigger hands. No, it's so we can dump it out. God refills. Dump it out. God refills. Dump it out. God refills. This is the way the kingdom works. You see, otherwise you become a water, body of water without a tributary. You do become a stagnant pool of water. But when you start to release it so it can refill, release, refill, release, refill. You see, generosity is the proper response to favor in your life. Can I tell you this? There's really never been a week that I can think of since I've been saved and I got saved in college where when I didn't write a check or make an online donation to the church that I was pastoring, that I didn't have two thoughts. Number one, I could sure use that money. I'm just being honest. And number two, thank you God for giving me the opportunity to give. Generosity is a proper response to favor. Robert Morris wrote this. He said, God is after our hearts. I went down uh, with my daughter, Jen. We went down to Salvation Army because they're going to create this <clears throat> large emergency community for the homeless. And the guy from the Salvation Army got up and he said, uh, he said, I don't want your time. I don't want your money. I don't want your gifts or your talent. I'm thinking, I like this guy. <laughs> then he said this, I want your hearts. Oh. Oh. Because if God has your heart, he's got everything. If your heart's divided, he has nothing, nothing of you. God is after our hearts, and the evidence that he has our hearts is this. We give simply to give rather than giving to receive. So good, isn't it? We give because we want to bless people, help people, and enlarge the kingdom of God. This, rather than reward, is our primary motive. You see, we can't really jump into this faith realm. We can't jump into this new resource realm without generosity. God wants us to be a generous church, and we are. I like to say if you're new here uh, and not generous, you will be soon unless you leave because generosity is contagious. So you can't outgive our God, amen? And God wants to bless you. Remember, God is a rewarder God, I don't know about you, I'd rather get rewarded than not, amen? But my reward is coming because I did something. I was faithful, I trusted in the Lord, I followed after him. I, I wanna just issue a prophetic blessing over you right now, and I'm gonna ask you to stand, and uh, some of you might wanna come to the front. We're just going to speak a word of, of prophetic word over you right now. Uh, I'm going to read this. You're going to repeat after me. And if you, if you truly embrace it, it's yours. All right? Yeah, just make your way up here as, I'm, as we're getting ready here. So the words are going to be on the screen. And they go like this. Amen. Come on up. You know, sometimes activating your faith is as simple as just stepping up into the front. I know that sounds strange. Well, can't God do that? Yeah, he can, but what is God telling you to do? You see, it's always about obedience. 
Always about obedience. Like God said, I, I, I could go, but I, it's only like two minutes. Does it really matter? It matters if God speaks to you. That's all I'm saying. If God's speaking, let God speak. All right, let's say this. I declare that God has provided the resources for my financial freedom. His favor has not departed, nor has his miracles. I choose to lay claim to my inheritance in Christ. I reject the poverty spirit and declare that every need has been secured by the blood of Christ. Today is a new day, a day of freedom. God is opening the windows of heaven on my half. If you believe that, say, I believe that. You embrace it, say, I embrace it. Heavenly Father, I pray for the blessings, all the blessings of heaven to fall now on these people. I pray, God, for uh, a faith that is activated, for a potential that is unlocked, for a joy that is unstoppable, for a power that is unbelievable. Father, that you're going to work in a way that's going to surprise everyone, that you're going to be the God, yes, of the last minute, but God of the last minute before faith enters in. And so we pray for a great, just a blanket of faith to fall here on us that we would believe you in ways that we never have, that we would stretch ourselves into the spiritual realm, into the kingdom, that you might be glorified, you might be honored. We give you the praise, we give you glory today. In Jesus' name.